Welcome to the American Mutso Show. I am your host, Eric Mutsos. I'm just going to read this introduction to my next guest that you are going to absolutely love, just like I do, David Clements. He holds a Juris Doctorate and is a former law professor at New Mexico State University. He was twice nominated for the Business College's most prestigious teaching award, winning the honor in 2021. Clements is recognized as a leading national authority in election integrity, serving on Regent University's expert panel that performed the postmortem of the 2020 general election. Clements is also a former award-winning prosecutor and deputy district attorney supervising six law enforcement agencies. His expertise in law of evidence helped his team secure eight murder convictions, including the systematic elimination of the, quote, AZ Boys Drug Trafficking Organization. Please welcome David. But before we get going, let me tell you about one of the products from our sponsor, Freedom Blends at freedomblends.com. Products based on the principles of liberty. We have pro-life protein, First Amendment multivitamins for men and women, Kami Colon Cleanse, Sleep Off Socialism, and yes, they all work. Our number one product is Freedom Fuel. It's got all of your fruits and veggies, organic in a capsule to get your gut in check, to get better balance, to have more energy. FreedomBlends.com. This is one of the newer products that people are loving. It is called Jefferson Juice Testosterone Natural Booster. Mary writes, my husband has increased his muscle mass, lowered his fat, and lost 10 pounds since he has been on the Jefferson Juice testosterone. He's so happy with the results, he told me to order some right away. It's an awesome supplement. Thank you, Mary. And last but not least, the American Muto Show is now on all podcast platforms. So you don't just have to watch it on Rumble. You can look it up, either Eric Mutsos or the American Muto Show. Please share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. David Clements, I am so, I'm very, very excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Eric. It's good you, to be with you. You kind of, you kind of remind. I don't know. I don't know if you remind me more of Moses or John the Baptist. I don't know. Like the the forerunner, you know. Um, <laughs> like you have you have a message that you're getting out across America. Um, there was a early on video that I'm pretty sure was you. Um, in front of a class at the very beginning of COVID, was that not you? Yeah, if there's one where um, basically this first day of fall semester in 2021 that led me to getting suspended and then terminated. Yeah, okay, a, we're gonna, I'm going to find that and I'm going to play it right now. So let's get to work. As you can see, I'm not wearing a mask. Why is that? No, because I haven't lost my mind. That's why. I will not wear a mask. Many of you have heard about the policy mandating that you take an experimental drug vaccine. I will not take an experimental drug. It will not happen. If I don't take it, I have to be subject to invasive testing. I will not be a lab rat because I haven't lost my mind. So right now, if you're feeling uneasy, 
don't. There's only one person in this room that could possibly get in trouble, and it's none of you. Okay? Whether you want to wear a mask in my class is between you and God. That's your conscience. And if you want to report to my department head or the business college dean, if you don't feel safe, feel free to do so. I will make available this class through online, or you can attend by Zoom if we get there. But you sign up for a face-to-face -face class, and I'm going to teach a face-to-face -face class. I just won this award. It's in my brain case for a teaching excellence board. I'm supposed to be the best of the best that the business college has to offer. I did not collect that award yesterday and get the honor because I will not wear a mask. I will not get the jab. I will not be subject to invasive testing. Now here's why. Everyone that takes my class will come out of here knowing one thing. You will learn how to think. And apparently thinking is in short supply these days. So tell me about that, your experience with that. Well, um, January 6, 2021 was kind of the genesis of much. I wasn't in D.C., but uh, what I saw revolted me as a law professor. And um, I had seen tyranny manifest itself in different ways, you know, with COVID and then with elections. And people know me more for the election work. But um, oddly enough, one of my subjects that I teach or I used to teach at the university was consumer protection. So I'm, I'm a subject matter expert on consumer protection. Um, which includes how do you have accountability of government agencies, including big pharma and uh, pharmaceutical industry. So I was tracking that pretty closely. Um, I think like most people, I really didn't have enough information early on in 2020. I just knew something was wrong and that our liberties were suffering as a result of what we were being told. But after about two weeks, I'm like this, nothing, nothing makes sense. And I just had a feeling that promises were going to be broken, you know, two weeks, stop the spread, all that stuff. So um, I was pretty much told I had to get out of the classroom in 2020. I was one of the first professors to get back in. I, I just said, look, let me get in there. <laughs> I'll sign a waiver. And I taught two semesters in person without a mask. I just wasn't broadcasting it. Um, I put together a uh, plexiglass thing that was like really small. It was like <laughs> joke small. And I wrote on it placebo and I just duct taped it to a podium. And I wasn't stuck behind it because when I talk, I, I move around quite a bit and I got complaints. I had people complaining about me with my election work. So, I mean, I, I basically had a statute of limitations on my own existence <laughs> at the university from January 6th. And um, we were able to get some alleviation from the governor, a tyrant during the summer. So we're thinking, well, maybe we can go back in the classroom and not have to do this insanity. So the video that you that you just showed your audience was basically first day of class, um, 
I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just not even going to act. I, like I shared that. I shared it. I was like, wow, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. And I went through the VAERS data. I mean, I had the numbers at my fingertips. I mean, you can see that in the, in the video itself. And um, what was odd is there's like a Faustinian bargain that was offered because around that same time, I was recognized for my college's highest uh, teaching award. It's called the Patricia Chris Moore Teaching Excellence Award. And it was the second year in a row that I was nominated for it. Well, that year I won it. And they told me, you know, Dave, we know that you've been through a lot. You're being attacked by a lot of faculty members. Why don't you just show everyone, you know, what's up by showing up to convocation and picking up your award. However, you've got to wear your mask. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I remember just like the trade-off. However, you have to bow down to this golden image. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the trade-off. And I, I think I entertained it for less than half of half a second. <laughs> I, I was just like, no, I'm not going to do it. And um, so I recorded, I used to record almost all of my lectures because a lot of people would show up at that time um, via Zoom because of COVID. And, um, and there were other people that were monitoring and recording the class to see if I would comply. Uh, in fact, the, the class that morning, I have a recording of it. I've never produced this, but the dean of my college was given orders by the Board of Regents to come to my class. And if I wasn't masked up to have security walk me out. And to his credit, and he was masked up. He didn't. He actually presented me with the award, said, I don't agree with everything that you have to say, but um, I believe in free speech. And as a result of that act of courage, the dean was stripped of his title as dean, and he was demoted to just a line professor, which is which is a you know docking of pay of about a hundred grand because being a dean is a big deal. So, um, you know, we've seen little battles, but that's basically the backdrop to to that video. What have you been doing since? Um, I, I know what you've been doing, but can you kind of tell the audience what you have been doing, what you've been trying to accomplish? Um, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, well, November 3rd, 2020 was a wake up call for many. Um, some people were a little further ahead of it. And I was worried that what could materialize would materialize. And it did. And um so I just started tracking lawsuits. I had a very cush job as a professor, but before that I was a prosecutor and I spent a lot more time as a prosecutor than I did as a law professor. So I, I'm very familiar with evidentiary hearings and presentation of evidence. And I kept seeing the narrative from the media. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. So I just started like looking at the cases and the case, the court logs to check to see if there was actually any hearings held. Like, how can you say, there's no evidence if you're not holding hearings. And so I was the first person with my credentials to say out loud what most people probably suspected, which is there were no hearings. 99% of the cases were just dismissed for not having legal standing. Um, and I followed along until I was terminated. And I just tried to just plug a hole and provide a service throughout the past two years. But the first hole was just hearing from the experts and the lawyers that filed the lawsuits. Um, so late 2020, early 2021, I figured I will give people an interview if I can get them. Cause at the time I really wasn't known outside of um, getting invited on Tucker Carlson show. And I got invited because I told off my university president and um, that introduced me to a bunch of people across, you know, the conservative landscape 
And Tucker and a lot of so-called conservatives, I would say, are, are you know, I don't want to be discourteous to what they do contribute because what they do, they do well. But there are topics that they avoid altogether. Like and the elections. election, for example. What's that? Like the election, for example. Yes, exactly. And um, so I mentioned that in this video that went viral, uh, even before I, I had the other viral video for getting uh, for refusing the jab. But this was the first thing that introduced me to folks. But it wasn't a lot of people. You know, if you watch Tucker, if you're one of like eight million people, you saw it and you know who I was. But for the most part, I was just like on YouTube with you know a couple hundred people watching a live stream, and I was just trying to explain lawsuits. And then I, uh, my audience somewhat grew and, um, Bannon, Steve Bannon was paying attention in particular. And so for a while he was trying to get me on a show and it's not that I don't like Bannon. It was just, uh, at the time I was employed and every time I would go on TV, um, my, my life as a professor would just get blown up. I mean, I'd get people calling me an anti-Semite because I was on Tucker Carlson show, or I'd have people file a complaint against, against me for microaggressions. And so I would have like these hearings via Zoom that no one knew about that I was going through. It seemed like every other week I was a new complaint would be filed against me for the sin of being a conservative. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think the the overall need at the time was that there was a lot of confusion on how the legal process is supposed to work about the state of the cases. And then um, I was introduced to probably the largest audience that I've ever been exposed to, which was Mike Lindell's Cyber Symposium. And I um, was a, a guest expert. And, um, and at that point, I think I basically sealed my fate with the world. With the deep state? <laughs> well, the, the world as in you will never have a professional career. Um, as a law professor. So at that time, I had complaints filed against my law license, um, political retaliation. And so right now, I, I still haven't had resolved the fifth investigation into my license to strip me of it for merely commenting on election um, stuff. And I've been told if I ever took a case or filed a case on election advocacy that I, I could basically expect to have my, my license taken from me. So um the next iteration of my work was I saw what I thought was a failure with the Maricopa audit in Arizona. I think there were many promises that were made and they weren't kept. And I started asking questions within the Patriot ranks, demanding accountability and um, at the risk of popularity, popularity. Cause at the time, like I ever, I was liked by most people in the movement, but there's certain people that you just can't, ask questions of without people getting riled up. They, they see it as an attack. And I see it as let's solve the problem um, because I don't want to do this. I want to go back to, you know, whatever semblance of normal I, I can get with my kids. I'm, you know, I'm a husband and, and father of three children. And um, so instead of just being an armchair complainer, my wife and I um, implemented work to do an audit here in New Mexico. And then that expanded to eight counties and um, for the better part of 18 months, I've either traveled trying to help other people conduct audits, canvases, or give them advocacy tips on how to stand in the gap against tyrant local officials. And I'm still doing that. I love it so much. Um, is there a place that people can go to not only like follow you or do you have a website that people can go to right now that 
um, they can either book it. I mean, can anybody, anybody listening to this somehow get a hold of you and say, Hey, we want to do that in our County. Is this up for, is this open to do that? Yeah. Um, I have to check with my wife on how long I can leave at, at a period of time. But, um, the way that we're looking at this is if we don't fix our election problems, we don't have a country. Yeah. And, um, but yes, I've got a website called theprofessorsrecord.com where I post a lot of videos. The place that I'm most active that uh, gives probably the best coverage of what the work that I do is on uh, Telegram, The Professor's Record with David Clements. Uh, make sure it's the right one. I've got like probably a dozen or more imposter accounts. So, oh, yeah. The one so with the, the most. The Professor's Record. Yeah. On Telegram and then on Truth. Um, Professor David Clements is the handle. And uh, basically, um, if people want to reach out to me, just contact an admin on either of the channels space, and I'll get back to you with my email. And if there's interest to have me come out, I do it. Uh, I try to do everything at cost, so I don't charge for my time. It's just a matter of if people can cover um, travel expenses and put a roof. Um, and I've I've slept in my car. I've I've driven places. I've driven to Maine um, from New Mexico. So it's not like we're looking to make it um, a burden to anyone, but we don't want to have any obstacles for people to get involved. And that's kind of my mantra is that people are going without inflation's killing everyone. Uh, but if, if I could go out and come back and be relatively intact, then I'll do it. So I know th these are the mess or these are the questions that that you probably get. I get it all the time. Like, <laughs> do we do we stop this? Because it's my it's my personal belief that this that we're in the test, right? Like this is this this is a spiritual simulation, and God he's he's looking down, seeing what types of characters that we have, seeing. Because I'm almost to the point where it's like, you know, Noah, when he was warning of the flood, you know, the water, the baptism of the earth, um, there was nothing that was going to stop that because society as a collective whole had gotten too, um, just completely off the rails. Right. And I think we're worse than it was then. And so do do we actually stop this or or is this just one of those things that we've got to do everything we can to fight it and that's part of the test where are you at on that thought oh that's a that's a deep question um because it's intensely personal for everyone right on what motivates you to get out of bed and either do something or do nothing um i see parallels to romans 1 and in Romans 1, the reason why I bring this up is that Rome, the Roman Empire was the greatest empire until later. I mean, you could argue that the British Empire covered more terrain. But what happened to Rome was effectively first a sexual revolution where people were just sleeping around, sleeping with whatever they wanted. And then there was a homosexual revolution. And this is all in Romans, uh, the first chapter. And then there was a giving over to a depraved mind. God's like, okay. And, and when I look at America, we had a sexual revolution in the 60s, 70s. We had a homosexual revolution in the 80s, 90s. And really from 2000 on, we've seen the gender, queer, transgender theory where people um, can 
decide to be whatever they want at any given moment, except for Christian or white male or some of those things. And so I see that as depravity from the standpoint of its mental illness. And, um, and so I, I see a, a similar judgment where God's basically saying, okay, I'm going to let you feel the pain for the seeds that you're planting. And there are going to be earthly consequences where, where someone's going to sow the seeds that you've planted because I've given you a prescription through my word on what human flourishing looks like and you've rejected it. And that's basically been America for the past 40, 50 years is that there's been um, a rejection. I really want to say that I think it coincided with the legal um, justification for abortion with Roe versus Wade. Hmm. Like there was, I think a national curse that we were under from a standpoint of government. I mean, I know the church is supposed to do its own thing, but the church in our country is supposed to inhabit positions of government because we are a constitutional republic where we, we are, uh, we're supposed to be a representative of we, the people, which can include a pastor, Christians, conservatives. And for whatever reason, we've delegated that away to someone else. Well, someone else came in and started ruling in a way that had no place for God. And um, so we're living in, the, in, in those consequences. I, I so I, I think that's the landscape. And in 2020, I think what was shocking was just how rapid um, the wheels came off of the American experiment. I think that's what caught people, even myself. I, I saw it coming, but never in my life did I think that. Um, and I guess I'll tell you what, what where I felt like it, it was launched was the George Floyd incident. It seemed like at that point, when George Floyd and all the stuff that happened in Minneapolis occurred, it's almost like every Marxist in the country got a memo that said, go for the jugular, go for it all. Yep. And it was just expedited up until the election. And we're still seeing it now. It's amazing. I mean, what a lie, you know, it's what a lie that America is somehow this huge, we, we are the most diverse country in the world. I mean, we, we not only elected a black president once, but twice. We won. That could have been, in my opinion, President Obama could have, he could have done so much good for our country to unite us, um, but it, it went the exact opposite way. And I think you're exactly right. Like this is Romans. This is, it's almost as if we are the tip. I don't even know if typification is, a, we're the typification of all of them put together, Sodom and Gomorrah, Rome, Babylon, Jerusalem. It's like we've all we've come to head where the scripture, we are literally all of them in one. And I keep telling people, like, you guys, we had better get ready right now. We had better get ready. We better get ready physically. We better get ready spiritually because what's coming and what's on the horizon is not gonna be good. And and when I say good, I'm talking about the comforts and everything that we have. I, I do believe that God, He's already won this war, right? And so um, but there's going to be consequence. Like, I don't believe that God is just going to come down and float down and just save everybody. Um, because we're, we now have to experience the consequence because we haven't repented, um, as a collective whole. Yeah. I think a good analogy and it's not mine, but I've heard it before is, um, most world war II buffs agree that America 
secured victory at the Battle of the Bulge. But that doesn't mean you didn't have Nazis after that victory shooting and killing American soldiers. I mean, they were a conquered enemy. And as Christians, the same could be said about the cross. Christ dies on the cross and he conquers death. And we have assurance of victory at that moment. But we're still here until he returns. And by still being here, there's a period of time where evil can still do its work. And evil isn't static. It's, um, you know, you don't just have a victory and have your storybook ending. As soon as you secure a victory for liberty in the here and now, the devil and his minions just go off to the next objective or they figure out how to distort what you've just accomplished. Um, so what we're told is you better have your hand at the plow. I mean, there's different um, theology on end times and um, I'm a terminated law professor, not a theologian, but, I, and so there's different views and I don't really know which one's the correct one, but what I will tell you is that we're given the charge to carry out the great commission. So we have to go. Our theology is a go theology. It's not hoard canned goods. It's not board up your windows. It's not Stephen King's the stand. We're supposed to be emissaries of love and truth and hope. And the way that that manifests is you go into places of consequence where you're vulnerable. You don't, you know, you, you basically model the walk of Christ and his, his apostles. And that led to very, very painful deaths for each of them. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think, said something along the lines of when Christ calls you, it's an invitation to death. And there's no higher honor because we know as believers that heaven awaits. And no one has figured out how to out-cheat death. Uh, so your, your, your ticket's going to be punched one day. So the call for people out there is to, instead of running from pain, confront it, endure it, face it. And um, there's, there's tremendous meaning and peace that comes from that story, as opposed to the person that has a hard time sleeping at night because they're letting incremental evil win by doing nothing. I love it so much. It's that faith, faith is action. It's, it's putting what you actually believe into something. And, um, that's me. That's why I wanted to have you on, because when you started to talk about Moses, which I want, I want you to get into a little bit, um, at the, at this event down here where you came to Southern Utah and you, and you just presented, um, and I was the youngest person in the room at 41 years old. I don't know if you heard me say that, but it was like, where, where are the young people in this fight? Um, and I'm so thankful for people that are, that are older, but it's like, can't you see this is why we're losing guys. But, uh, getting back to it, I want you to talk about kind of that type with Moses, what you were getting into and share it with the audience, um, your thoughts on, on what you were saying with Moses. Yeah. Well, I think of all of the pseudo patriot celebrities out there, we all have our prescriptions and we all have um, plans that we're offering. And I just happen to think my plan is more in line with um, what's going to have to happen. So you have lawyers and I'm a lawyer by trade, but I rarely promote lawsuits because um, corruption is a problem. And if you don't solve the corruption problem by changing the culture, you're going to run to a buzzsaw in the courtroom. Um, I also don't promote like trying to 
encourage an entire legislature in a state to do your bidding because it's never happened. And um, if you're in a state where Democrats dominate, you've got no chance in getting real election reform. And in most states with Republicans, you've got rhinos and they don't listen to anything that we have to say. Not Utah, Utah. There's no way we have rhinos here. <laughs> I've, well, yeah, I know you're being sarcastic, Eric, but uh, the um, so I've been trying to give people a vision for stop outsourcing your activism to someone else, because it's really easy to say, hey, have has anyone thought of this legal theory as and then they want someone else to jump on that or has someone done this and they never turn the scalpel towards themselves on have I considered doing X, Y, and Z. And so my prescription has been to get in front of local election administrators and people that locally certify elections and hold them accountable. And every and, and basically you're going into an arena that's live streamed and you're going to do battle on issues of truth. And a lot of people go, well, what's the utility of that? Are we going to win? And they're very cynical. They've got a self-fulfilling prophecy of of why they shouldn't get in there because they're so hopeless. And so you ask the question of um, Moses, you know, why, you know, why do I bring up Moses in some of uh, my presentations? Um, because I, I, I see a lot of parallels where back in Egypt, all of the power was in the hands of Pharaoh. All of the military might was in the hands of Pharaoh. And you had a slave class. You had the people of Israel in bondage. And um, Moses had an an opportunity to stand in the gap in a a place of interposition between Pharaoh and the victims of slavery. And um, a lot of people may think that Moses parted the Red Sea, but he didn't. He he was just an instrument used by God, and he was people helped him hold up his arms. But um, God did the supernatural there, and. And for believers that believe that that story is true, it's not just like a Jordan Peterson psychological, you know, archetype that people follow. I believe that the Bible's objectively true and there, there is, there are supernatural events and miraculous events that happen in history and throughout history and even now. Um, But that's not like an action plan. You can't say, okay, everyone just wait for the miracle. Um, And Moses didn't wait. He showed up in a place of vulnerability and proclaim truth to Pharaoh. And he kept showing up and, and his mantra was let my people go. And he would tell Pharaoh about God's ways, not Pharaoh's ways. And um, I'm sure Moses was probably thinking, I'm going to get my head chopped off. Something bad's going to happen, but he did it because he was obedient. So fast forward to 2023 I see a different type of slave. I see a different type of slave master. I see these machines as slave masters. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of the beast of burden that, that needs to do hard manual labor, I think the slave class or the caliber of the slave is soft and fat and distracted and lazy. And instead of um, a whip striking your back through pain, motivating you to do something you don't want to do, it's the exact opposite. Satan says, I've done this before. Let me see if I can up the deception. And he has basically lulled us to sleep through addiction to pleasure. You are exactly right. This is like, 
we, we what we are is glorified slaves in America. Most people are in debt up to their eyeballs. Most men are working how many hours just to provide. They don't even have time to fight for liberty. Um, most freedom fighters are women right now because they're at home. They're seeing all this stuff happening. You're exactly right. We this we we are. This is we're not free. We're not free like God intended us to be. No, no. Uh, so for for men in particular that are addic addicted to pornography because it's there. I mean, I'm, I imagine the amount of time that's spent being distracted by something where you can have instantaneous pleasure. That's one distraction. Cheap entertainment where you don't even have to save up to be entertained. You just have six bucks a month and you're going to have automatic catalogs that you can continue to, to just feed your mind. And you're not feeding your mind with anything edifying. It's you're watching someone else's adventure and you're living vicariously through an actor who is doing something in a story, but it's fake. And then you've got food that keeps us sick, medicine that that's killing us. And uh, so we're just healthy enough to have over half of our income taken from us, which is a pretty great slave practice if you're going to do that. And so what I've told a lot of people that come to these presentations is I want you to think of yourself as a mini Moses confronting mini pharaohs. And you I can't tell you, I can't promise you that you're going to have that Red Sea moment, but I do know that our greatest strength is our numbers and we haven't perfected how to gather and push back. Um, you know, I've, above my computer here, I'm, I'm reminded of what real civil rights activism looked like, where you've got people, I've got a picture of someone uh, being sprayed with a, a water cannon. Um when people would actually brace arms and be beaten with batons and uh, over civil rights issues back in the fifties. And I'm sitting there going, wow, we don't, we haven't been beaten. We haven't been sprayed with, with water cannons. You've got a small dose of that with the J six prisoners treatment. So we're there, but it's like, we have to, you know, we, we've forgotten how to protest. We don't even know how to get out there because we're so used to watching on a screen. Um, what peril looks like. It's, it's abstract. And until we can rekindle um, a, 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 or a, a thought process of how to uh, count the costs, like what am I willing to give up? And I just knew early on, and I think this has been a silver lining blessing from God for me, it was that he gave me a PhD in evil um, because I was a prosecutor and I know that you're in law enforcement, Eric. So you've seen the ugly, you've seen people at their worst when you show up to their door and, you know, drug abuse, alcohol has led to someone being hurt and relationships have, have basically been damaged forever. And if it's in, it's, if it's in the presence of children, they've been traumatized for the rest of their life. Um, and I've seen the system, how it's, <laughs> We, you have to have law and order, but I've also seen the system keep these people down. I, I don't want to get on a tangent, but, but the system is also just as eye-opening once you see it. Yeah, absolutely. And so that was something that I saw as a prosecutor was that though I, I endeavored to be a white hat who sought justice, I saw people that were seeking out conviction percentages. I saw judges that were just as corrupt and belonged to secret clubs and organizations mm -hmm. with white powder on their nose. And yet they were about to sentence someone 
that committed a sin. The difference is, is that he had protection from his club and the poor schmuck that, you know, couldn't control his impulses, didn't have those protections. And we're seeing that on a large scale for this two-tiered justice system. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, you just have to kind of wrestle with the idea of, all right, God, you've got me here. I didn't create the system. Uh, The system was perverted and destroyed long before I was even born, but can I do some level of good in the system? And then I found a point where the stuff that I'm talking about now, whether it's elections or medical tyranny, there's no allowance for someone like me in the system at all. I can't even work within the system. It's so dangerous to talk about the theft of your voices that they will pretend that you're not there. And once they can't do that any longer, you get the hit pieces. And I've certainly gotten my share of hit pieces from um, Reuters and CNN and NPR. I mean, I've got full spreads on the Washington Post um, to basically try to reduce my name to um you know, I've, I mean, how do I say this? If you Google my name, I don't have a name. <laughs> the reason why I'm smiling is because I, this is my personal take. I'll try to break this down really fast. Satan, he, he was cast out of heaven for rebellion because he couldn't follow the commandments, him and his minions out. He has set up a counter kingdom down here. It's his kingdom down here. And he doesn't have commandments. I'll call them demandments. And when you don't follow his demandments, guess what happens to you? You're out. You get canceled. You get David Clements. You get, you get Mike Lindell. You get, you get exactly what happened to those minions out of his kingdom. And so what I tell people is don't be afraid to be canceled. Because, and the reason why is because I think that's what Jesus was trying to say, at least partly, consider the lilies. Um, the birds of, you don't think I can take care of, you don't think I can take care of you. And so can you speak on that thought? Yeah, well, (laughs) I've been living it. Um, you know, and I can't speak for everyone in this movement, but I, I'd like to think that those that have made a really big impact have had a supernatural affirmation that said, go like do something that's going to be against your self-preservation because in the natural there's nothing that i've done since 2020 that really makes any sense from a standpoint of safety and security yet um i've never felt more alive god has provided me with everything that i've needed and sometimes you know i may want more but i in retrospect you can always say okay that would have been a danger to have that because it would have taken my eye off of him um So I I think one of my observations that I would offer, Eric, is that people that don't see the power of God in their life is because they still have a foot in the natural. They'll they'll dip a toe in the spiritual, but that's not faith. And we're commanded um, to live by faith. And uh, that's so it's weird because we live in a culture that demands the receipts right now. Show me, show me right now why it is that you did what you did. And that's not the way that faith works. Sometimes God calls you to precarious places. And I think if he showed you the receipts, you wouldn't walk because you'd be scared. And if, if someone were to say, Hey, David, I want you you'd take a look at your life the past two years. There's like, I, I like to think that I'm sitting there going, I don't want that. I don't want to go there. 
or perhaps if I would have had, um, you know, my mind made up about certain players in this movement, I wouldn't have gotten into a place to see them up close to, to really have discernment. And so God will even withhold revelation from you so that you'll go to places that you otherwise wouldn't go which is a really kind of neat thing. Um, so I guess my encouragement to those that are watching this is that all I can say is through my, by my testimony is that when I'm firmly rooted in my faith and I'm obedient, God has surprised me to the point where you just have to praise his name. And when I start living in fear and I start, you know, having my own plans then things tend to fall apart pretty quickly. And uh, so um, it's one of those things where if you've been in a position where your employment suffered because of a, a decision of conviction, I know that uh, pertains to you, Eric, or anyone else out there, everyone that did the right thing, if you catch up with them today, they're saying, oh, yeah, it was the right thing. I'm glad that I made the decision. And, yeah, God's taking care of me. Maybe maybe things could be a little tighter or a little a little easier. but from the standpoint of like peace and going to bed with a clean conscience or clear conscience, there's no comparison. None. Yeah, I love this so much. What is the final message that you have to, if you, if you could have one last message to the world, what would it be? I try to get people to say this at the end. So. Oh, well then I'm going to, I'm going to speak as a Christian. Um, the answer to everything's the gospel. Um, because even if we save our election system, even if we educate people into not taking the jab, our time here as creatures is finite. And so congratulations. If you don't have Jesus, you didn't get the jab, but you're still going to hell. Congratulations. You've got a great election system, this cycle. But if you don't have Jesus, you're going to hell. Um, and so what Jesus did is, you know, we, we have to stop treating Jesus as a means to an end. And in the Patriot movement in particular, we use Christianity to move the culture. But in my faith, Christ is not a means to an end. He is the end. He's the end. And he makes everything right. And um, so he gives us resources to endure suffering. He gives us uh, resources to endure as a lowly servant and gives people that are nobody's dignity and a call, whether you're in the prison cell, um, whether you're unemployed, whether you've been shamed by the world. I mean, he literally can answer everything. And so if, if this was the last thing that I could share with anyone, I'd, I'd want um, the gospel to be proclaimed. And so that's what I would share with your, your viewers, the gospel. I love it. David, thank you so much. Again, where can they go? Just one more time, say where they can go to find you. Yeah, you can find me at my website, theprofessorsrecord.com, all one word, theprofessorsrecord.com, uh, Telegram, The Professor's Record, and on Truth, at Professor David Clements. Those are uh, the three best ways to get a hold of me. David, thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. Take care.